So I think, um, I think they get it wrong in AVP. I think making friends with the aliens is the better option than making friends with the predators. Here's here's my hot take. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I agree. Number one, aliens seem stronger. Mm-hmm. Also, predators for being the he- best hunters in the universe, they need a lot of tech. They need a lot of tech, and they make mistakes. They're, They're not- fallible. The Super aliens friend. just charge ahead. I trust the um, acid blood. I think that's the deal maker for me. Mm. Because yeah. like, even if you shoot them, if you get a little spray with some acid, you're still screwed. You're toast. Yeah, you're toast. You're toast. We we, we saw at least like, well, it, well, it depends on how like what type of alien. Because some some acid blood will it like also, sort of it also depends on face. the depends on the moment of the movie you're watching. Yeah. <laughs> like, how well that works. It's almost as if the screenwriter is struggling to find a way to get out of certain situations. <laughs> they want to present that the acid blood is there because that is cool, but they don't realize that if your lead gets sprayed with acid blood, they're dead. So you gotta deal with that accordingly because you gotta keep yeah. the lead alive a little bit longer. Yeah, maybe sometimes the aliens are like drinking a lot of water and it dilutes the blood, or maybe they're having a lot of soda. Patrick, you try to tell me that there are logic issues in Alien vs. Predator Requiem? <laughs> nope. Hello, and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. And we got some good ones today. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sophie's Choice, Dog Day Afternoon. Watch out! <laughs> I'm Patrick Grumion, and ooh, Spooky. Spooky. spooky Ooh, is there some, some sort of weird chill in the room? Or is it spooky season? Is it our annual Halloween episode? And this year we're taking things a little different. We're not covering a specific actor. Get out of here, Barbara Crampton. Come yeah. in for, I don't know, 35 minutes, Lance Henriksen. <laughs> yeah, hey, have a, take a seat, Lance Henriksen. Don't worry, you don't have to do much. You don't have to do take much. Your, take your paycheck. You, you've you earned it after a long and storied career. Because, of course, this <laughs> week it's Alien Anarchy. We have covered on the show in separate episodes the film Alien in our Ooh. Ridley Scott season. The film aliens in our james cameron specials an action-pumped adventure alien 3 in our lance henriksen episode and semi in our david fincher series the films prometheus and covenant alien covenant in our ridley scott season so what are we missing well we got some odds and ends folks to cover the oddest and endiest the endiest (laughs) yeah (laughs) As in the end, I want this to end. As in, whoa, boy, do it. Is there, honey? Is there any more beer in the fridge? I need some to get through this. <laughs> I, need, I need to not be entirely cognizant to function through this experience. Of course, we're talking about 1997's Alien Resurrection, 2004's Alien versus Predator. And 2007's, of course, how could we forget? Aliens versus Predator Requiem, AVPR, to those in know. Another punctuation, like, yeah, AVP colon Predator. <laughs> or wait, no, it's AVP colon and Requiem? Does anyone involved in the production of Alien versus Predator Requiem mm. have any... Did they, did any 
go bother to pick up their copy of the old Webster's <laughs> sitting by their desk <laughs> and look up the definition of the word requiem. That sounds cool. It it sounds cool. <laughs> sounds cool. I think yeah. that's all. It is kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to see a movie called like Expendables 5 Dirge. So, um, <laughs> forth in the Oxford Dictionary, mm. especially within the Roman Catholic Church, a requiem is a mass for the repose of the souls of the dead. Hmm. Keep that in mind. The only thing I closer I could think of was the raid two was subtitled Re the raid retribution. I had no clue what the fuck that meant either. <laughs> retribution for what? For being cool in the first raid? Like stupid, silly. Yeah, like they, could, they should have called it the raid two. You saw the first one; it ruled. Everyone involved with the first one is back. This one's gonna rule too. That's yeah. it. There's a baseball bounty hunter. This is fun. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You can call it the Raid 2. Everyone who saw the Raid 1 wants to see the Raid 2. Trust me. <laughs> Although, okay, I will say, when you bring up uh, the meaning of Requiem, it does make you wonder, perhaps the town that movie is based in is, uh, maybe it's like a no-exit situation. Maybe it's like they're uh, all, they all hate each other, and they've all been dead be. for generations. I mean, uh, uh, kind of a Sartre kind of deal. Yeah, a real yeah, Sartre. I, I, I see I see where you're coming from. Hells of the Predators. Hells of the Predators, indeed. So I guess, um, well, this episode's going to be a little nutty. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's call it like it is. Um, it's worth I, Goofy I, 10. I believe the Strauss brothers had some sort of, um, trying to figure out what it was here, um, a different title for the um for this film outside of requiem and it got retitled um later on avp in the big city it, it made more sense it was kind of more of a joke kind of like gotcha. the poster whoever wins we lose kind of like Mm -hmm. Oh, humans are such easy prey. Kind of. Um, there goes the neighborhood. There goes the neighborhood. Yeah, something like that. Mm. And but it's you know, and of course, it's like <laughs> rando <laughs> alien versus predator, rando Colorado town. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I guess the Fidi Alvarez um alien film that's coming out. Next very year, August 16th, is called Alien Romulus, by the way. Romulus, Alien oh. Romulus. Okay, so, continuing the, uh, the, the, continue. It feels, that feels very lock and step with Prometheus. And it, that it does. I, I think, um, really, Scott has quote said, it's fucking awesome. Ooh. He's seen it. So, um, and really, Scott did not really like Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> So anything off of his properties. I don't know. Who's to say? I'm excited for it. <laughs> yeah. I will say though, uh, did you read the person who surprisingly liked Alien versus Predator? No, I did not. James Cameron. He was like, I like this more than resurrection. <laughs> he said, I think he thought it was the like... best alien sequel of all the sequels at the time. I guess you never know. You, you know, never know. E even our gods are fallible. 
perhaps. I think he left it. It's a thing I read. It's true. Wow, that's a good that's a good find, Patrick. Um, fascinating. I'm gonna I gotta go take a walk. <laughs> Todd actually just turned off his. Oh, I turned off my uh, camera. Yeah, that was a good joke. Um, good. I think the it's interesting, and I think it all does come down to a matter of taste because I almost threw on Alien Three right after all of these mm-hmm. because that's just. And I'm just, I just I think I'm just a Fincher sicko. I like I mean I like I like, I like um I like the grim. I like the yeah. grim factor of it. And watching these I was like, oh, this I I like Alien Resurrection a lot. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. I also think this series the Ripley side of things could have been it in Alien 3. Yeah, I think well I feel like Alien 4... I think they did the best possible way mm-hmm. of reincorporating her into the series, but it yeah. also kind of wipes the emotional conclusion of Alien 3. Yeah, well, it's like, Alien 3 is so final. Like, Yeah, I know, should... it's so final. <laughs> like... And, and, like, I think um, originally Alien Resurrection was not going to involve her, but then someone at the studio was like, you can't have a yeah, alien... They... And that's kind of like even going back to Alien Three. It's it does feel like until Prometheus, mm-hmm. Aliens was the final one to like have like full autonomy from yeah what what they thought an alien movie should be. Yeah, I feel like post Aliens, yeah, it very much became too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, I think it's a thing that a lot of these like sequel these series suffer from. Yeah, and David Fincher has said that he's like, that's like the thing is, I got involved like I was a twenty seven year old music Ooh. video director, and I get involved in this machine where there's expectations because it's a sequel and it's coming off of. Like a sequel that actually like took everything from the first one and amped it up to eleven and mm-hmm. created this like massive thing. Like the first one could have been totally a standalone, but the second one makes Ripley this like goddess hero. Yeah. She's like, essentially like as important she to the Rambo. Fr- she becomes Rambo. She becomes, you know, yeah. Any of those kind of Iron Man, any of those kind of like hero characters. She's now like a character. She's now yes. a part of she's like she's not and she's not just a character in like a filmic sense. She's like a piece of lore at this point. Yeah, and I mean you have to hand it to James Cameron for creating an icon. Yeah. Like I said, we watched this the other day. We watched Aliens the other day. Jen had ever seen it before, and when it does do that push in when she goes get away from her, you bitch. Like you watch it at home, you jump out of your couch and like fist pump. You're you like, you're, you're, it's you know, incredible. It's like, let alone in a movie theater where you're going absolutely ballistic. It's so exciting. Like, <laughs> and you know, that's like the power of JC and like following that up. I understand why Fincher wants to follow it up and say, I'm going to destroy it. Mm-hmm. How else what are you gonna do it again? Are you just gonna yeah. roll it like do another adventure? That's not fun. You gotta and reinvent the wheel. You gotta reinvent the wheel. And I think through the first four films in the series, they try their best, which is impressive. I kinda wish they had I hope the Fidi Alvarez one goes back to that actually. I hope that too. I like I think like that's And I think it was I actually yeah. Yeah, I'm actually like optimistic about that. Oh, same here. Well, and like I think like so many people, um, get 
nervous or not nervous. So many people uh, want continuity and like everything to work perfectly. And they wanted to like, you know, and I think like as a result of that, like desire, a lot of these franchises, especially other different ones, feel like TV shows or whatever. Like, it's cool that there's some continuity, but then, like, you get the same sort of movie over and over again. It's less of a filmic come, experience. I think and... we've come full circle with that, where, yes, yeah, so obvious, I think there was kind of, like, when you're a kid on the playground before any of this existed, mm-hmm. what if Aliens versus Predator fought? What if they took all the Marvel comics and made it actually coherent and cohesive? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> massive storyline across 85 movies when you're a kid you're like oh that would be so cool all my friends all my all my cool dudes hanging out and i think though when you're older you're like oh that's kind of boring and i want to see like yeah i think that's kind of why i mean i don't know the series at all but i think that's kind of why people like the guardians of the galaxy because at least it feels semi its own freaky thing yeah, like that James. Might. Yeah, at least James Gunn is able to like, you know, imprint his whole aesthetic, or why people like the Doctor Stra- the Sam Raimi Doctor Strange, because he's able to bring a little bit of Someone. his like, yeah, somewhat. And, and I think that's also why people like the Zack Snyder stuff too. And I think, um, but I also think like when you do it like that, and I think when you're a studio and you're the money man, you want guarantees. And yeah. in some cases, you're going to get Aliens. some cases, you're going to get the Dark Knight. In some cases, <laughs> you're going to get Black Adam. You know? Yeah. It's well, and it's gonna, like, it's I think like, like, well, it's, yeah. It's not going to work on occasion because you're letting a creator kind of do their thing. Yeah. And it's hard to do that when, you know, you know, this other thing, this proven thing works. Yeah. When you start to crave consistency over consistency you know, paycheck our... too. Oh, for sure. Big deal with this with these executives. You know, yeah. one of these movies. I mean, Fincher talks about it. People got fired because of Alien 3. People got fired because of Fight Club. Mm-hmm. And you know, he didn't, but, no. uh, um, but uh, executives did whose job it is to make guarantees. Fincher's job is to make good films. Mm-hmm. That maybe the audience will accept, maybe they won't. Yeah, and, no, he's yeah. So you end up in this kind of if you're an executive, a rock and a hard blade. <laughs> yeah, it's like you want to be an artist, but you know, you appreciate the, the idea, the concept of art, but you also appreciate your modernist house in West Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> you, you you appreciate your uh, your uh, your your summer home and uh, Luxembourg. Yeah. You really, really loved Fight Club, but you also really, really loved the high-end preschool you got your kid into. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, and I get it. I would love to send my kid to the high-end preschool too. Yeah, like, you want to send your your kid to super super preschool? They get an iPad. Wow, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> They're using the technology for Minority Report to teach your child? I know, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, wow. Like, and, oh, you're in class with, like, James Cameron's granddaughter? Cool. Like, I want to run into James Cameron picking up my kid at the door. Like, oh, wow, look, there's Danny Collins. He's picked I know. <laughs> yeah, like, Danny Collins' son is there. Yeah, Bobby Cannonball. 
He beat cancer and he got his kid. All these new listeners who came on for Ridley Scott, they were talking about Danny Collins again. <laughs> well, this is what these movies do to us. I don't know. Danny Collins is fucking imprinted on my brain, though. Yo, like, yeah. I, I think I remember every detail of that movie still. Like I can't remember I can't remember my Torah portion uh for my bar mitzvah, but I can remember lyrics Danny, from Danny Dan- Collins songs. Hey, baby doll. <laughs> it's cause it sounds exactly like um uh Sweet Caroline. Mm-hmm. It's like a complete rip of Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. It's true. It, insane that that's like his big yeah. song. Just deeply an it's insane, insane film. The, that Al Pacino was like a pop singer. <laughs> I'd have the even it's, thinking so about like, him, even thinking about him young. It's like that guy doesn't look like a pop singer. He he he, look, he is like one of the few people that does have actor face. Like he looks yeah. like he couldn't do anything else but acting. This guy man was born to be an actor. That's what he does. Yes. Like, I can like imagine imagine going to like the Rainforest Cafe and, and Al Pacino taking your order. You couldn't. You, you would feel yeah. like you were on punked. That's like we, that's why we love this man. He's only that's the only thing he can do. Yeah, it's his one. It's his modus operandi. It's his. It's it's his one power. <laughs> All right. So real quick, before we finally get into these three pictures, I have a spoof. I have a goof that I need to remedy. So I bought this book, David Fincher interviews, like a week and a half ago. It was really good. I recommend oh, cool. it to listeners who want to um, dive deeper into David Fincher, but. Uh, in the panic room section, he brings up the fact that by no means did Andrew Kevin Walker do any rewrites on Panic Room. Whoa! I claimed he did last week. I mean, I, he's that, in the movie. He's in the movie. You assume so. But here's what I learned: Andrew Kevin Walker and David Kep are best friends. Oh. That's so cool. Andrew Kevin Walker wouldn't rewrite his best friend. Ooh, but he would appear in a cameo in a movie his best friend wrote and produced, and his good buddy Finch directed. The Finchman. That's like such a power, like writing friendship group. Like Andrew Walker you know, and David. K- that's crazy. I wish I was buds with folks like that. It's like if Patty Chayefsky freaking hung well, out with know, William Goldman all day. Well, you know who Patty Chayefsky's best friend was? Ooh. Bob Fosse. Seriously. Oh, really? Like, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And um, honestly, I was expecting they, like they John said, Milius. Um, whoever died first, um, Chayefsky would either do a self-important 10-minute monologue or Bob Fosse would do like a soft shoe jazz dance for the eulogy. To whoever died first, they would show up <laughs> together. And I believe Chayefsky died first. Mm. So Posse danced at Chayefsky's funeral. Wow, that's very nice. Also, Don and I have that same agreement. If Exact same agreement. Yeah. You can take a guess, though. We're not going to reveal who's doing what. So, yeah. Wait until uh, we're each 120. Let's do it early. If you want to <laughs> take a guess on who's doing soft shoe and who's doing a self-important monologue, send us an email at the Academy Academy podcast gmail.com or check in with us at Twitter at the Academy. Let us know who you think is the dancer and who mm. you think is the monologist. Mm. The dancer and the monologist. That sounds so like I an Edgar to, Allan Poe short story. I have to apologize to heroic writers, David Kep and Andrew Kevin Walker. 
for mm-hmm. my mistake. Please let me into your writer's circle at some point in my life. <laughs> Come on, let's let Don have a chance shot at a Jurassic World sequel. I know, or at least like like let me um suggest a joke for Chris yeah. Pratt to tell. Something like that, you know. Give him give him a Pratt. Give him a Pratt yeah. riff. I can do a punch up. Trust me. Let me yeah. be your friend. Let me be your friend. So Cut to 1997. Mm. We are a few, nary, what, seven years? Seven, six years since Alien 3? Yeah, I think like 90? 92. 92. Alien 3 was released in 92, but I just read, like I said, this interview book with Fincher, and um, the Alien 3 process seems to have taken, it seems to have started in like 89, 90. Oh God! Oh, there's a very funny line to um in the arguments about Fincher's direction. They were on a conference call, and apparently David Geiler screamed, "I'm supposed to take notes from a shoe salesman." Ooh, <laughs> noting David Fincher's work as a Nike commercial director. <laughs> Rude. And David Fincher's like, eh, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I, yeah, I am what I am. But like, am. Uh, it's like I have done that. But it's like I have an idea for this movie. But yeah. Anyway, so um, they still want to revive and get this franchise going. Mm-hmm. It is a franchise. Uh, but audiences, like obviously, there are people like me. There are people out there who do have an appreciation and enjoyment. Mm-hmm. of Alien 3, but for a great deal of the audience, um, yeah, we have friends. They feel Alien 3 is a real slap in the face. Yeah, it definitely, um, it's one of those type of things where it's the, the classic type of sequel, we've said this in, uh, earlier in the pod, that like, you know, totally spits in every choice made in the previous film, and that can like turn off people that view that film as like, you know, that's Especially- that film on a totem. Oh, no. Alien, aliens means a lot to a mm-hmm. lot of people. You know, it really is a special movie. It's a lot of people's favorite movie. Yeah. Like, a lot of people. <laughs> and and yeah, I, I reason, think it's... it's a really, like, it's an incredibly satisfying, enjoyable, adventurous, fun movie with characters that James Cameron in his imitable way gets you to really, really, really care about. So, so what Ripley has to do an autopsy on poor little Newt. Yeah. In the first 10 minutes of Alien 3, you, I love it. I, the sicko in me loves it. And I'll get to the other sicko thing that happens in Alien versus Predator Requiem that had me on the side of Alien versus Predator Requiem. <laughs> oh, I'll turn it off right now. Second, the Alien face hugger gets the nine-year-old kid in the woods at the beginning of the movie oh my like, god yeah yes, i'm on board <laughs> yeah no holds barred no holds barred do it this ain't your this ain't your grandpa's alien i don't know the yeah, alien versus predator with its pg-13 shit i was like yes bring it on <laughs> so a lot of people so I think there's a conscious thought of like, how can we start over in a sense? So, um, 
cut to young up and coming hot shot screenwriter Joss Whedon. Mm. Now, by the year of our Lord, 1996, what had Joss? I am not okay. I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago on the show. I am not like even before allegation, like. He didn't get caught lost word, in the weeds. Word that he was kind of a dipshit, allegedly. Um, was not like the biggest Joss Whedon guy in the world. I think the audience knows I'm not like a geek culture yeah. guy yeah. all that much. You're not like into uh, folks referencing... You're not into references. You're not into like uh, quips. You're not a quippy guy. You're not a quippy guy. <laughs> not a quippy guy. I'm not like I'm not a big fantasy guy. My sci-fi needs to be kind of cold-hearted for me to <laughs> accept it. <laughs> cold-hearted, uh, based in reality as much as possible, and kind of like doom-ridden. Mm, like yeah, like, give me give me Ad Astra and Brad Pitt floating around in space doing monologues about how much he misses his dad. Like <laughs> you would have liked Armageddon better if the the meteorite just blew up Earth. And it was like Ben Affleck is like can't get back to live Tyler, and they have like this tear stained video call. <laughs> like as, as yeah. going, and Ben Affleck is left in space. <laughs> <laughs> Rockhand gets to come back down, but Ben Affleck stays. I know, and he just floats around. I'm going to find something else. Oh, yeah. You know me. I love it. Um, yeah. But by 1997, Josh, 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 Josh had written. So he was really hot. He His mm-hmm. first big script was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the film version. Right. Of it, which I have seen. I saw when it came out. Um, and he was a writer on Toy Story. Those are his two credited scripts. Mm. Meanwhile, though, he had done additional dialogue on films like The Getaway, the remake with Alec Baldwin and um, oh. Kim Passenger. Uh, he nice did movie that uh, occurred. dialogue on The Quick and the Dead, which is a rockin' movie. Really mm. good Sam Raimi movie. Um, he had done stuff on Twister. He had done stuff on Waterworld. He had written on Roseanne. He had written on The Parenthood Show, and I think probably really noteworthy, he basically did a page one rewrite of Speed, but didn't get the official screenwriting credit on it. But a lot of people feel he wrote Speed. Wow. Um, So he's like really like doing well. And like, it might not be credit, not, not, maybe not on the credits you see, but like in terms of rewrites, in terms of script doctoring. Really like good stuff. Well, and it's also like TV like, and a TV. Re- a, yeah, a real level of like creativity. Mm-hmm. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer the show was just debuted the same year as Alien Resurrection came out. Wow. Um, so say what you will about him as a human being. I don't know him. These things, mm-hmm. you know, they seem personal to me. I don't know. Like. He see he see he strikes me as the nerd who got the keys to the castle and abused it. Yeah, um, that that definitely has that like yeah. It's, 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 he does not seem like a a person that's fun to be around. I think he I think a little bit of that you got high in your own supply too. I just listed off a lot of big credits. A lot of people are probably telling him he's brilliant and a genius. 
at this time. And if you're not prepared for that, if you're a young person mm -hmm. who's told that, I think um, they can lead you in a variety of directions on who you are as a person. Um, yeah, you could really become an obnoxious asshole and, uh, and it, then some. It's very easy to read your own reviews. And... I mean, look at, yeah. look at look at what happened to Taiko Waititi a little bit. Not I, obviously yeah. the different I, I, levels, but, I mean, but I mean, you know, at different levels. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's accused him of being a prick. You know, no. But I think he, I think he's very, I think he's, I think you know, and I, ego is an interesting thing because a healthy ego is the key word there is healthy. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. To have confidence. You have to, to be have high on your own. Semi high on your own supply to get anywhere. Yeah. But there's a delicate spot, a dark realm where you don't even know where you've gone over that edge, perhaps. Ooh. And then you're there. And you're an asshole. I don't know. I don't and know. And, and, and you're, then you're playing, you're pl suddenly you're playing Manic Pixie Dream Hitler and you're. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and then you're getting rewarded for and it. And you're getting rewarded. And you still get. So. Who the who knows? Who knows? Who <laughs> knows? We don't know. We don't know these people. We just these the word alleged is there because we don't know them. But yeah, but know. oh well, it is you know they also at the same time there's a lot of people who've said this. So yeah, I think there's some validity. I mean, but probably uh, is yeah yeah. But that but we're we're in 1997 right now before this happened <laughs> and we're just talking about kind of career wise here because this isn't even about him this is about aliens baby yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> segue segue good segue don all right so um <laughs> he got hired to write he was impressed they were all impressed with him mm -hmm. and i think uh in 1997 you're a studio executive you're looking at the chess pieces on the table to write a new alien film <laughs> you probably could do worse no. Than him at this point in his career, he seems like based on what his interests are, his style, that kind of thing, very choice. Also, he's going to bring a um, lighter touch, frankly. He's almost like at this time, I could see people seeing him as like a, a classy, like the thinking man's Kevin Smith. Mm -hmm. Like it's Absolutely. just that kind of thing where they're like, oh, yeah, this guy will, uh, you know, he knows the material and he'll do something tasteful with it. So. He wrote many versions of the script. His big third act idea, though, was a third act on Earth with a final battle for Earth itself. And Joss, I like this idea. I, I'm actually very pro because it does seem a culmination of everything we've been leading to in this ser in the Alien series is the aliens to get to Earth, which makes the next two movies so disappointing and uh, underwhelming because it should have been a huge moment that the aliens make their way to the Earth. That is like a great they are so flippant with the alien uh, aliens arriving on Earth because that, that's like a thing. It feels like we were inching towards that slowly but surely with the first three films. And the and glory this of this series is taking it all so, so seriously at this point. Yes. That all this matters. This is a big deal. That these This enemy is an apocalyptic level enemy. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of having a neutron bomb that can like mate. 
Not good. No, it's like um, you half expect David in one of the Prometheus or Covenant to quote that line from the Bhagavad Gita that Oppenheimer says. In Oppenheimer, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, that's how like, and I like that. I like it because it's taking your shit seriously. Yeah, like not just throw away crap. It's actual stakes. So I, I think he's, but they kind of were doing a battle around it, and apparently, um. Sigourney Weaver was not like interested in taking it to Earth. Hmm, interesting. And by this point, so that gets us to that kind of idea of like the importance of Ripley to the series. So apparently the studio and Joss Whedon, one of their big ideas was that they they're gonna do a clone. Mm-hmm. That was always part of it. Mm-hmm. But the I thought was to clone Newt from Aliens originally, which I also like. That actually so I heard that like Winona Ryder wasn't supposed to uh originally she wasn't called. Oh, she was like she might have been, been that, yeah. Yeah, I think she might have been nude. And how great is that? I like yes. Like I like that a lot. And it's like it make it treats it's what you want as an adult when you want the juice from kind of a series. Mm-hmm. But you also want to be treated like a fucking adult with surprises and interesting like moves and like to be taken off guard by things. Yeah, you you don't want to be like moves, smart choices. Yeah, I think like yeah the the problem with these long franchises when it when it um when suddenly things get calcified and it seems that certain specifics have to like have to be around like it's kind of like how for a long time the like C3PO had to be in every Star Wars movie and it yeah. got to the point where like in the new ones they started kind of shoehorning him in well i think it's, it's like... also like kind of like some of the complaints with like some of the David Gordon Green Halloween series and the David Gordon Green Exorcist that just came out mm. there's just too much hey remember this we put it in here too yeah you don't have to be so reverent you don't no because, like, if it's a good story, the audience will follow. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's cool, the audience will follow. And nostalgia and lip service and reverence, like you said, are, are not good storytelling. It, it hinders art. It, it, well, and that's where, it, that's where, like, it starts. That's the beginning of, like, culture is religion, too. Yeah. When yes. suddenly you... Yeah, when suddenly it's like, okay, it's not a real thing if Alien doesn't, uh, you know, bleed its magic acid goop blood or whatever. Or like, if or it, whatever. it doesn't have Ripley. It doesn't have, you know, and like, I, 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 I agree. Like, I think like one, the one, the one big thing I love in this series that again, AVP completely ignores the replicant or the um, synthetic character yeah and their um intentions because it's Mm. always like such a fun bit in the like that they start alien with ian holm what are the intentions of your synthetic character are they good are they bad who are they working for i like the choices they make for the synthetic in this movie i do too I do too, and it's a different it's a different variation on it because yeah. like, James Cameron was so smart in the second one to say, "Okay, I'm going to make him heroic." Yeah, like the Lance Henriksen Bishop character is so like that's also like when we're watching it, 
when he comes back to save the day, at least partially in Aliens, mm-hmm. when we were watching that night, it was like Jen was fist pumping there because it was like, oh, this is so cool. And it's so cool that it's Lance Hendricks and a guy who looks kind of creepy. <laughs> so he's yeah. like, turns out to be the good guy. Yeah, and then, is. so by the time we get to Prometheus and Covenant, we don't know what, well, we know what his intentions are. But Covenant, there's two of him, which is so cool. Yes. But in Prometheus, we don't know. Is David going to be Lance Henriksen or is he going to be Ian Holm? And he turns out he's worse than Ian Holm. Yeah, he's like <laughs> home on, ster- he's yeah. home on steroids. It is unreal. And it's isn't that fun? Yes. Like it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you not like what's going to you don't know what's going to happen. Like and that's kind of like the exciting thing in these films. Mm-hmm. It's and, waiting for certain like dominoes to fall. Yeah, and I think like they have done really, really well in the key series. Uh, I mean, this Resurrection and Covenant to extent play the play some greatest hits, certainly, oh, but sure. not as bad as other films play greatest hits mm-hmm. in like that do series kind of things. So anyway, um, Whedon wrote a thirty-page treatment based on the idea of Newt. Um, and they were like, this is the studio. Like, this is great. This is tremendous. Base the clone on Ripley because she's actually the anchor of this series. Ooh. Uh, so Whedon went back to do that. And he actually found it quite difficult because, of course, as we all know, at the end of Alien 3, Ripley dies a quite memorable Jesus Christ pose. Alien yeah. popping out of your stomach, falling into Terminator 2 lava death. He falls into the yeah, like I'm surprised she doesn't do the thumbs up in the end. I know it's like <laughs> Fincher like kills her, like <laughs> like to the molecule, and so and so um and the and then meanwhile they bring up this idea of the cloning to David Geiler and Walter Hill, longtime producers of the entire series. They opposed the production entirely because they thought it would ruin the franchise. <laughs> Yeah, David Geiler, not happy. Geiler, not happy. They're just like, come on. But at the same time, much like our studio executives, this is yeah. pa- the pad. This is pad in the wallets. This, so yeah, Walter pre- Hill can go do like revisionist westerns that nobody wants to see but me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those westerns ain't uh, gonna shoot themselves. Yeah, and so Rip. Meanwhile, Sigourney Weaver, of course, has a lot of say in this yeah. point. This that is point. like a yeah, she appears that she had like a lot of power on set. And rightfully so. Yeah. Rightfully so. Come on. It's she's it's like, she's the heart she's, of the movie. She's brought the heat. I mean if you're gonna bring her back, mm-hmm. pay her well and do her justice. Yeah. Like well and she was actually something I liked about her, like she I felt like she used her I watched all the special features for Alien Resurrection and they brought up filming, and it feels like Sigourney used her powers for good a lot, because she'd be like, yeah. Because uh, one thing she brought up was, like, every previous alien shoot was, like, a terrible experience in terms of yeah. shooting. Like, it was just like, you're in England, and it's terrible, and you're up all night, and everyone's overworked. And so, like, her thing was like, this is going to be a fun shoot. Like, <laughs> Yes. It, and the other thing she did is, I in the Fincher interviews book, she's actually very much on David Fincher's side. Throughout the, she was like impressed. She was like, he's a good young filmmaker, and yeah. she liked the. Uh, she liked. Uh, he, has, he has a vision, mm-hmm. and this is what good actors do. 
is if a direct and good directors do if a director comes in with a complete and clear vision mm -hmm. the actor if they buy into that vision they're on board they're going to support you if they don't buy into it that's a whole nother story <laughs> yeah but no <laughs> but if you witness witness bruce willis's films <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like it's it's she's a supported like she's a team player yeah she wants hers she deserves hers try and replace her can't there and i mean witness prometheus and covenant and i think both great performances from numi rapace and katherine watterson mm -hmm. they can't help but be compared to corny weaver though they still yeah. are even with their good performances it's a tough yeah it is i, I am um i my alien prediction is that at some point we will get a Sigourney Weaver Ripley as um you know Indiana Jones in the time dial like we'll get the old old lady I, Ripley like like I you think know it, like the I one last happen. ride I think it'll happen at some point too I agree yeah too um, much money on the table for that one to not so happen she was, she was very concerned um that Ripley would become a figure of fun and just continuously wake up with monsters running around. And that yeah. was very boring to her, rightfully so. I mean, um, yeah. She also I... thought the idea of Alien versus Predator <laughs> was stupid and sounded awful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, you know... Very smart, uh, very, very intelligent person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, Alien Romulus, if you could give another uh, title, like, you know, um, colon uh, sep part to part title to alien resurrection it could be alien sisyphus it feels like yeah the same it's well, like this poor very, lady i kind of i kind of like that that you can't defeat the aliens you just have to keep rolling the rock up the mountain to try and stop them yeah it's like your life is hell it, like it, ripley it, is in a grim dawn mode i love yeah. it yeah i love it it is, <laughs> it is an ancient greek tragedy so she was though impressed with joss whedon's script Mm -hmm. um and that um the thing she really really liked about the idea is that during the cloning process ripley becomes part human and part alien and this question of where her loyalties lie was very very intriguing to her and again i am 100 percent in agreement with sequoia weaver that's awesome it's yeah, a very that is interesting like a touch that is like, like a fun element, yeah, because it it totally makes her it puts her character in a totally different headspace. Yeah, and again, it it allows for the malleability of this series, which is mm -hmm. so exciting. This is one of the reasons Patrick and I love this series so much. Is you can take these little turns to create these philosophical, existential questions for the characters. They give it a little bit more of a touch than simply waking up and having to defeat monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, I oh. agree is boring. Yeah. That might make some people happy. It's not what I'm interested in, though. And I think that this touch is what keeps me involved in these series. The David stuff in both Prometheus and Covenant keeps me coming back to this series i want more of that i hope feedy alvarez's movie does that or there's also a part of me that hopes feedy's is um just a balls to the wall gore fest fight movie that would be nice i would yeah i would like a if it's just like 
the goop if, if that becomes like the goopiest of the alien franchises that would rule i know yeah just give it a hard r and go with it and make yeah. it na- nasty and mean do it like do it. and in his other films i mean uh his evil dead remake hit that film don't breathe he did was it don't yeah he did don't breathe yes. um he did i think he did one of the he did the <laughs> girl with the dragon tattoo sequel that i never saw oh yeah he did the girl who shakes the hornet's nest with claire the Foy. girl in the yeah. spider's web oh yeah. spider's web okay um, my bad but he's got a real nasty disposition yeah his movies get kind of bloody and mean and i i'm curious very curious about like if he could <laughs> does the same thing and i think sir ridley would be into that too oh for sure uh, but so Sigourney Weaver, this concept, Joss Whedon's script, this was enough to get her back on board. Also enough for Sigourney was the co-producer credit and the $11 million paycheck. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and hey, get that paper, Sigourney. Get that paper. So they have the actor in place, the writer in place. What about the director, Patrick? What Ooh. about the director? Jean-Pierre? So as usual, listen to this. Uh, my my God, what who were we? What movie were we talking about? I don't even remember anymore. But it's like um, I, was it Fincher? I don't know. But it's um, here's our list of the directors that they looked at for this film. Danny <laughs> Boyle, wow. Peter Jackson, whoa. Brian Singer. It's the same batch of whoever was hot. In 1995. Yeah. I mean, fresh off the Frighteners. Frighteners, usual suspects, train spotting. Yeah. You know, like the hottest movies, you know. Uh, Danny Boyle actually went as far as to talk with effects supervisors and really look into it. He was the first choice, but then he just ultimately said he was not interested in pursuing and he went to make a movie called A Life Less Ordinary instead. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that movie. That was his kind of um, flop follow-up to Trainspotting. Um, Peter Jackson declined because he could just not get excited about another alien film. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I can see fair him being enough. like, yeah, because the last one, as we said, finality. Yeah. It was very finality. final. Um, Brian Singer also declined after Usual Suspects. Seemed like Brian Singer got offered pretty much everything on the planet after Ooh. Usual Suspects. He, of course, went on to direct X-Men. That was his big uh, blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, then they went to Jean Pierre Junot. Um, so Jean Pierre Junot was coming off of uh, City of Lost Children, Delicatessen, proving his worth as a really supreme visual stylist. Mm-hmm. Um, he had just completed the script to Amelie, which of course, cut to the future, became probably his most known and <laughs> beloved movie. Um, but the, you know, Alien Resurrection falls in his lap. Now, he had seen all the Alien films mm-hmm. and um, believe well, the, an show, inter- an, an interesting the tid- show was done. The movie was yeah. over. <laughs> well, an interesting tidbit about him, too, was before um, Delicatessen and all those, he was uh, like Scott and Fincher. He was like an ad guy. Yeah, not a surprise at all. And uh, But... Um, 
he they gave him a budget of 70 million dollars and said come on do it and i think there's a part of him that was like i you know what if i can take charge of this thing and make it my vision this could be a fun time he, now yeah 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 uh the interesting thing is that uh he did not speak much english so no. he had an interpreter on set the entire time which i can only imagine like I, I obviously has been done many a times and doable, but um, imagine it would be difficult, mm -hmm. you know, to accomplish. I did hear a story on um, Great Expectations, Alfonso Cuaron's troubled, one of his troubled English films. Mm -hmm. Basically, he and Chivo Lebeski would um, revert to Spanish Ooh. anytime the producers were on set. <laughs> <laughs> in order to just like okay we gotta like go through shit we know they won't understand us so i do wonder if uh some french got used on the set of alien resurrection in the oh, same vein perhaps uh well because uh, he, but he yeah. brought in special effects supervisor pitoff who had you oh, worked on his films catwoman's uh, pitoff catwoman's pitoff of course and um darius kanji returns to the, to the program as cinematographer who of course is a was a regular with um the has been a regular with fincher and with uh Jeanneau. oh yeah he started off with Jeanneau. yeah start off with him as well um frequent co-director did you know um Mark Carrow was also brought in to do character sketches um, and um, costume designers, Bob Ringwald, Nigel Phillips, uh, Nigel Phelps was brought in as production designer uh, as well. Um, I will say that Mark Carrow, he, um, they originally asked him to direct as a duo, mm -hmm. but Mark Carrow did not like the lack of control he had over the project. And uh, which is why they ended up splitting up. It was the first time uh, Jean Pierre directed on his own. Yeah, and has since had pretty much since. Um, they uh, Jean Pierre was given creative control and mm -hmm. um, brought in a lot of his own elements and thoughts to the table, Ooh. including uh, a sense of humor, dark comedy aspect. Yes, and he was encouraged to include more violence in the film. In the special features, there's one point where Jean Pierre just screams in a, a thick French accent, I can't avoid humor. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the elements of that does make this movie different. And again, tonally, we should be able to do that within the concept. The, these big things are. Um, um, fun in their own right, and they should be have their own details. In that, you know, mm -hmm. they should be able to go in those directions. Um, Alien Resurrection was filmed at Fox Studios in Los Angeles, California, uh, from mm -hmm. October 96 to February of 1997. Uh, they had difficulty securing studio space as um, Titanic, Starship Troopers, and the Lost World Jurassic Park were all shooting at the same time. Um, Unreal. <laughs> Alien Resurrection was the first film to be filmed outside of England, Alien film. Uh, and as you mentioned, mm -hmm. That was a Sigourney Weaver decision. Yeah. Uh, because she believed that the travel schedules exhausted the crew. <laughs> um, so, who, who else is in this movie beyond Sigourney Weaver? Oh, we should tell you basically the story of the film. Now, the story is, is that um, United Systems Military has decided to... They are aware of the aliens and they have decided to breed them 
in order to study them aboard the research spaceship USM Origia, using human <laughs> hosts abducted and delivered to them by by mercenaries. How exciting! Yeah. Also, it's like I can't remember quite exactly off the top of my head. But it's like two hundred years into the future. It's like two hundred years post Alien Three. Yes, and as yes. As you are aware, uh, Ripley did die in Alien 3, but as you also are aware, Ripley had a alien growing in her, a queen, mm. as she died. Mm. So they have decided to clone Ripley to extract the alien from her to study and grow aliens. Okay, putting on my thinking cap here. They are considering whether or not to leave, destroy Ripley after they do so they decide not to yeah i just i just gotta say like you know just because like uh, uh, something's growing inside you cloning isn't like the the, the teleporter in the yeah. fly <laughs> as per the huge there is human hubris run amok in how well they can actually control these aliens mm-hmm. oh yeah um naturally the aliens escape and it is up to ripley who we learn is part alien part mm-hmm. human to lead the surviving mercenaries and soldiers in a desperate battle to escape this spaceship and get away from the aliens. It's because a motley Rip- crew. Ripley is well aware that no one is going to make it. That they are mm-hmm. they are toasty woasty, if that's a word. <laughs> yeah. At yeah. this point she's almost like this cosmically suffering figure. Like she is yeah. just she's gone through so many variations and she's been around for two hundred years that like it's so funny how like nonchalant she reacts to all this stuff at this point. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> so the um who do we got in this cast? Oh some bangers. In addition to Sigourney Weaver, of course, we have Winona Ryder, who plays Annalie, called the newest member of the mercenary cruise ship, the Betty. Uh, she recognizes Ripley immediately and has knowledge of the aliens. How we know this? Well, slowly but surely, it's revealed Call is a synthetic. That is our synthetic character in this film. But she is more of a um, on the benevolent kind side. As I think Patrick she's... alluded to, there is something neat about the idea that she could also be Newt. Mm. Well, and also, I, I think she like really. runs like, isn't she like running like a like a robot like separatist group or something like that? Something of... to, I, it's alluded to, not really put into Explained. detail. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunately, what a fun idea. Uh, very Blade Runnery. Um, also on board the Betty are Dom Vries, played by Jean Pierre Junot favorite Dominique Pignon, who is a mm-hmm paraplegic who uses a motorized wheelchair who has a close relationship with Winona but an an antagonistic relationship with Ron Jonner a mercenary on the Betty crew (laughs) played by Ron Perlman doing Ron Perlman things that is uh you know he's purling about (laughs) he's in there due to the humor due to the wacky monsters due to the blood and guts due to the kind of colorful um phantasmagoric feel to the movie you cannot help but remind be reminded of Guillermo del Toro and yeah and Blade 2 it's uh, huge Blade 2 it's very like that just the that um all you could, that era or like the Roland Emmerich Godzilla 
you could do it you could do a um you could do kind of a great fun double feature of blade two and alien resurrection and have a good evening i think um for sure also on board gary christie played by gary durdan second in command of the betty and the captain of the betty played by academy academy favorite beloved character actor michael wincott plays frank elgin uh a character gone too soon who gets dispatched way too soon because you don't normally get to see michael wincott in kind of dashing romantic rogue mode scoundrel he could play very very well and it's a it, bummer he hasn't got it. he's he gets to play a baddie a lot as we know we love him as mm-hmm. a baddie um but he gets to like he's with uh Hillard assistant pilot of the Betty played by Kim Flowers and they have a fun kind of sexy romantic vibe together mm-hmm. and boy you would have liked to see it more but i think what Joss Whedon is thinking about is Tom Skerritt in Alien mm. 1 and dispatching someone who you think is kind of has a heroic tendencies. It's like, what if uh, Han Solo got freaking murked? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So on board of the uh, Argyra is the, the commanding officer also dispatched too soon because he's fun and everything. Dan Hedaya plays oh. General Martin Perez. He's so good at this. Uh, You know him. You know Dan. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, he he's doing his thing. He's a scoundrel. He's a, yeah, he, he, he he's um he's kind of sleazy. He's an asshole. He's doing yeah. his thing. Whether uh, he's a, a shit kicker in Blood Simple or a a weaselly neighbor in the Adams family, you know, he, he brings he, it. He brings it. Uh, Carla's scoundrel husband on Cheers, too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and what I do love about Jean-Pierre Junot is that he casts all of these actors totally with type. Mm-hmm. They get to do their thing. He's not asking anything more of them from all of these character actors than what you kind of expect from them. Yeah. But they're all such great character actors and you love them so much. Let it go. Oh, yeah. uh, also on board, the Azura, Dr. Jonathan Guideman, played by the great Brad Dorif. Um, who is he really involved it. in the clone? He's doing his thing. You yeah. love him. You love to see him. Also on board, doing his thing as a soldier on board, Vincent Desti Stefanano is Raymond Cruz. Who do you think he's not going to get one moment where he gets like a patented Raymond Cruz freak out? He does. He gets one. Oh, oh like, yeah. Everyone. Yeah, what a great cast. This is like one of the yeah. best. Yeah. He gets a great bangers. moment. One of the guys who is kidnapped to be a um, human host for an <laughs> alien, Larry Purvis, played by Leland Orser, who gets to do his thing. You remember yes. him from Seven? For he, he's, yeah, he's he's like a nervous freakout guy. Nervous freakout guy. It's everyone there gets to do kind of their fun stuff. And last, but certainly not least, as w- another one of the scientists on board, Dr. Mason Wren, the great J.E. Freeman, who gets to play our psycho-corporatist lunatic character. Yeah, he's the, he's the, uh, he's the, uh, 
what is uh, the character's name in freaking uh, Aliens? Oh, the kind of the riser character. Riser, he's the yeah. riser. Yeah, he's one hundred percent the riser. You probably remember him most as the Dane in the Cohen Brothers, uh, Miller's Crossing. Um, but it's a stacked, nonstop cast, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's a it's a um. Yeah, we don't necessarily need to go. It's gonna be a long app. We don't necessarily need to go beat by beat through the plot. Yeah. In this movie, I think the highlight of this film is clearly the underwater sequence because we've never seen underwater aliens. They at one point have to cross abyss abyss style uh, underneath a, a flooded area on the mm-hmm. ship, and basically what happens is all hell breaks loose, and it's just pretty simple. Our characters have to get to, from one place to another. Mm-hmm. Story, our survivors. Um, it's very difficult that journey <laughs> to escape. Yeah. And, but they do, they, as they do, so they have to do an underwater sequence and we've never seen an alien underwater. That's a great action touch. Yeah. That, to that whole sequence took three weeks to film. And it's a very Cameron-esque. I love it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a Cameron-esque. Apparently like the water, like people started getting ear infections because the water, because they, they, they put like. They would put milk in the water to add like texture to the water, uh-huh. like depth, and then they would like would put like it put like random like fruit and vegetables and stuff like that too. Because I think it's a kitchen where they're going through with that's flooded, mm-hmm. and it like apparently just became just this horrible petri dish. <laughs> yeah, and that happens. I mean, we heard about it on other underwater films. I mean, this is hard. It's very difficult to do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. So the other really exciting moment is that they discover a room where um, Ripley finds attempted clones of her. And it's very gross and sad. She finds Mm -hmm. mutated versions of herself and she uses a flamethrower to destroy the room. Um, Patrick, did you have any um, moments that really stuck out to you? Yeah, I would say like that's like I feel like that iconic sequence where like she's looking at the old clones of herself and one of them is just like this kind of like malformed blob on the on an operating table like kept alive with wires and cords begging to be killed like that I feel like that's like probably the, if it's not the most iconic scene it's the most iconic scene to me like it's like mm-hmm. the thing I always think about when I think of aliens resurrect alien resurrection um also love the part where Dan Hedaya uh, gets attacked by an alien and he pulls a piece of his brain and looks at it. And yeah, <laughs> there's some really good gross stuff all throughout the movie. It's very R-rated, which is good. It's pretty goopy. I think it's the goopiest one outside of perhaps the Fede Alvarez hope that we have for the future. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, it's a very fun movie, though. Like, it's very exciting and thrilling. They've got a great set pieces. Um Ripley, because she's kind of super powered, mm-hmm. gets to do a great basketball sequence. Kind of yeah. Sequence. Oh, yeah. So that, like, was incredible because she actually, after, like, a whole day of, like, trying to... Sh- There's a, s- a moment in that basketball sequence where she, like, shoots a, uh, like, a three-pointer from, like, you know, Behind her not back. looking at... Yeah, from yeah. the back. Yeah. And uh, she, like, actually did that on set, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver is both in real life and on screen. Thank God. Yeah. 
also also a, a great moment uh that whole sequence does a good job of like demonstrating how like powerful ripley yeah. is at that point like there's a scene oh, where like oh no too sigourney's in great shape she's got a gun show out the entire movie and yeah. Like, yeah she's like oh yeah really got fit and like strong for this movie oh yeah she could definitely like beat us up but like uh yeah. uh but like uh what was it? There's a character that like ta- I think Christy like takes like a weight and like hits her in the head with it, and, and she just like is like yeah it's fine whatever. But it's she's very um it's such a great touch with the whole is she like where her loyalties lie? Of course it does reveal that she's pretty much a good guy. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. like yeah she's not gonna like pretty much a good guy, and they yeah. begin heading back home to Earth. With our scant group of survivors, who's left at this point? Like, like a lot of everyone, nearly. It's like Call Ripley. I think the French guy. Yeah, and, call, and that's it. That oh wow, Johnner does. Yeah, Johnner does not make it. I forgot. Yeah, Johnner doesn't make it. Yeah, um, it's but it's 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 a fun movie. It's yeah, like it's not as um. I think it suffers for the fact that it isn't as scary as Alien. Mm-hmm. It isn't out and out as thrilling as um, Aliens, and it isn't as like stomach churning and grim and like as Alien Three is, mm. which makes it a little less memorable. But at the same time, it's super fun. It's good ideas. There's a lot happening in it that it make it quite worthwhile. I think. Oh, yeah. um, you watched the director's cut, correct? Yeah. Uh, I watched just the theatrical version on Hulu. We should note this is on Hulu after we've spoiled <laughs> everything. Uh, but I did pick up the Blu-ray. I haven't ripped it open yet because I wanted it to um, add it to my collection. I also revealed this was first time watch for me. Ooh, it, yeah, no, this is one I've watched uh, quite a bit as a as a youth. Like, um, and I think what's interesting is that in the director's cut, like, um, so in the theatrical version. It's like they make it to Earth. It's all happy. It's great. In the director's cut, they get to Earth, and Earth is like a des is like desiccated. It's like a ruined, uh, an ecologically destroyed land. <laughs> so it should be noted, uh, Jeannot prefers the theatrical. Interesting. And I believe in the the famous Adrian quadrilogy box. Mm-hmm. Um, the both this and there's a work cut assembly cut of alien three mm-hmm. i do actually i'm not entirely certain how much say juno had in this extent it's like it feels like it's a cash in in a way might be uh, especially like yeah if he prefers the theatrical cut then and i yeah. know for a fact david fincher has actually never seen the ver- the longer version that's in the quadrilogy of alien it's like, yeah that is i don't kinda... care i don't give a shit they did deeply it. insidious that is like because it's like yeah it just feels like yeah if they're just like getting paying some like hired hand to edit it yeah so yeah, without it, their say really it is interesting but it's out there on disc as well um this film had its uh world premiere november 6 1997 mm-hmm. in france kind of a shout out i think to mr Junot. Ooh. uh opened in the united states on november 26th of 1997 um it grossed at the on a budget 
of $70 million, it grossed $161.4 million, which is actually probably not good enough mm. for what they are looking for, all things considered. And I think what they want with these things, when they, when they kind of hit like a single or a double, when you're hoping for a home run at the box office, that leads to people getting fired and questions about what to do next. Um, the other thing is this got a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critical consensus, Alien Resurrection marks a slight improvement over its predecessor, but still lacks the emotional stakes that helped make the franchise's first two entries sci-fi horror classics. B-minus cinema score as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can I see a lot of like self-serious nerds uh, walking into this movie and being mad that it's not like treated with the reverence that they feel it deserves or whatever. Yeah, and Roger Ebert said there is not a single shot in the movie to fill one with wonder. <laughs> whatever the fuck that means. He claimed it was one of the worst films of 1997. Wow. I mean, here's my question. Like, do you go to like an alien movie for wonder? I don't know. I don't I mean, know. Like, I no. think this is the blessing and curse of what James Cameron did because he turned this thing into a blockbuster. I think one of the reasons why we love Ridley Scott's movie is it still feels like mm-hmm. a little outsidery, a little out of nowhere. Not an independent yeah. film necessarily, but it feels like a grimy horror film your older brother would tell you about. Doesn't feel like a summer yeah. blockbuster or anything no, like it, that. It, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it was made with like capital in mind. Yeah, it feels like it was made to be the scariest movie imaginable. That was like yeah. the goal. James Cameron's feels like I'm going to make the biggest movie of this year mm-hmm. by bar none. And I think that in what has followed, there is a battle between how to go about this. I think the studio thinks every one of these is going to be aliens in its level yeah. of success. And I don't, I don't know if that can be repeated, but That's I a- do also feel this one is the beginning of this series kind of feeling. I like this. I think they do a lot of interesting things. Mm-hmm. I still kind of do feel Alien Three ended this thing it, in a way, yeah. in a sense, it ended the Ripley of it. Well, this Even is. The I think first... you're absolutely right. I think there will be another Ripley movie. Yeah, this definitely feels like the first one. I didn't. Get, you didn't get the sense of like grasping for straws. Uh, the way like the first three films don't there's like a sweatiness to this with the fact that Ripley has to be a part of it the fact they have to justify her being a part of it with an insane clone Michigas this feels like the first and one where uh, they're kind of like not a lot of huge surprises in this movie I think that the, I I think Ripley turning on them and siding with the aliens and being a villain mm-hmm. would have been a thrilling choice yeah although I will say um and I don't know if a lot of people share this opinion with me, like the design of the creepy human alien. Yeah. Very weird. I, I, very I like, unnerving. I, I like the swings that they took. Like, that's what makes Ebert's thing kind of odd to me, because I actually think there is big swings in this movie mm-hmm. and, like, exciting thoughts in this movie. Uh, one person who was unhappy with the final pro- product, Joss Whedon. Uh, when I asked in 2005 how the film differed from the script he had written Whedon responded with um, it wasn't a question of doing everything differently although they changed the ending 
It was mostly a matter of doing everything wrong. They set the lines mostly, but they set them all wrong, and they cast it wrong, and they designed it wrong, and they scored it wrong. They did everything wrong that they could possibly do. It's actually a fascinating lesson in filmmaking because everything that they did reflects back to the script and looks like something from the script, and people assume that if they hated it, that they changed the script. But it wasn't so much that they changed the script. It's just that they executed it in such ghastly fashion as to render it almost unwatchable. I don't know what he's talking about. No, I think it's the opposite way. I think the script is the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Because everything else is done so well. Like that every like comes off of very arrogant. Very, yeah. Doesn't it? It's like, super. It's not me. It's it's everything else. It's it's literally everything else. It's literally everyone it, else. Like, My script I'm was like, perfect. To me, it's like, oh, they're trying to execute a rote script yes. into something special. The casting is wrong? Joss. The fuck are you here. talking about? It's the all best these part people of are great. Like the Pearl Man? Yeah. You just the Pearl all, Man? All these people are fun. Come yes. on. Come on, dude. Yeah. Um conversely, H.R. Geiger was pleased with it. Described as an excellent is. film, but was disappointed about not being credited. <laughs> Poor HR. Yeah, let him let him have some let him have them creds. My, my sex aliens. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh here's a crazy but on the subject of sex aliens, the human alien, they made him with genitals. And apparently... Good. Good. Yeah. Oh, no. And it was like, he wanted to... And the director, Jean-Pierre, he's like, I want him to be a mixture of man and woman. And so they created this insane, weird, phallic thing. And apparently... The, um, <laughs> they had bottom a, they had, line. Yeah. Human alien. Gotta fuck. Yeah. Gotta human fuck. alien. Human alien has to fuck. Humanely does the fuck. Hey, you gotta explain that for all the logic heads. The humanian fucks. <laughs> the humanian definitely fucks, but apparently it was so like it was so like disturbing that the they they spent like millions of dollars digitally editing out fake alien genitalia from the final product. <laughs> with Jean Pierre, <laughs> with Jean Pierre saying, even for a Frenchman, it is too much. Anyway, so <laughs> the movie. As we said, mixed reviews, mixed audience response. Yeah. So, what happens next? Because aliens, in, aliens studi- in, in studio mindset, guess what? There's still money to be made. Am I right, Patrick? Ooh, all I see is dollar signs. But, so you could either go, you could either say, have we got too high-minded with bringing in these at these crazy ad men. Yeah. To direct Fre- this picture. A French guy? What the heck? You know, or um So do we go further? Mm. We bring in hey, more bigger. auteur directors or we do we just take the money and run <laughs> with something that will certainly get curious nerds to buy popcorn and sit down at this movie theater. Arguably please no one with the results. But do we do this? And we're at a time I don't know, this is like we're heading into, when did this come out? 2004? We're at the end of history. Oh yeah. Still. And this is a a similar time period as Freddy vs. Jason. Mm -hmm. They are Continuing to say to themselves, what if instead of an idea, we just took two things and made them fight? 
yeah. What if these two IPs uh, hung out and yeah, you know... hung out, which will of course <laughs> get you the opening weekend dollars that you want, mm. but will it diminish the product? Perhaps for a decade or more. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, Perhaps um, to a permanent end. Was Sigourney Weaver correct in saying that sounds shitty? Well, we <laughs> will find out right now. <laughs> because they, Joss Whedon, of course, had written, had planned out the idea of an Alien 5 mm-hmm. on Earth. Sigourney Weaver was not interested. sought to return it to the planet. Uh, she remained open on the condition she liked the story. However, though, they greenlit Alien versus Predator. James Cameron um, had been collaborating on a plot for a fifth film as well. Mm-hmm. But he ceased work on it when he heard about this because he said Alien vs. Predator would kill the validity of the franchise. It was essentially Frankenstein meets the werewolf. Yeah. Like Universal did, just take their assets, start to play them off of again, off of and against each other. Um, although he later admitted to liking Alien versus Predator, as you said, Patrick. Yeah. He also he said would... he ruled out any future involvement in the series. In 2002, Ridley Scott was asked about it, and he said it would be a lot of fun, but he wanted to get the story right. And his, of course, was go back to where the alien creatures were first found and explain how they were created. Doy. Um, mm-hmm. um, Sigourney Weaver and really Scott were still in conversation. All of this, though, of course, led eventually to Prometheus in 2012. In the meantime, though, 20th Century Fox has to make money. Am I right? Yeah. They do. The narrow has to flow. So now, what is what is it time for? Alien vs. Predator, 2007. Directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Screenplay by Paul W.S. Anderson. Story by Paul W.S. Anderson, Dan O'Bannon, and Ronald Shusett. Now, Paul W.S. Anderson is an interesting figure in the yeah. world of cinema. Forever cursed with having the nearly exact same name and age and Arrival onto the film scene of arguably the most beloved critically directed critical director of that generation, Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul W. Paul W. S. Anderson has a scene with a British film entitled Shopping. Am I correct? Yes, Shopping. And you just watched this. Yes. How was it? It's. This is what I'm going to say. You watch it, and it feels like this is a director with a lot of potential. Because all the technical elements of it are really well done. The story itself is like a little generic and bare bones. It's like it's like the high-octane world of like British like carjackers, basically. Mm, kind of a Guy um, Ritchie-style type thing. Yeah, very kind of like... It's like Guy Ritchie, but like if Guy Ritchie watched a lot of Blade Runner. Ah. Like, there's almost, like, a weird, like, kind of post-apocalyptic element to it, even though it's, like, I think our world. It feels very, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, this is, like, the type of movie where people hang out at, like, parties where there are giant, like, like, 
like you know like those uh metal cans with fire in them or whatever it's like one of those type of movies like a lot of people mm-hmm. huddling at metal can fires uh but like in the acting's interesting like there's a lot of stuff there but it feels like yeah i don't know you get the sense that this is a director with a lot of potential that perhaps uh isn't doesn't uh doesn't sweat story as much as other people sh- do or should yeah he's interesting um you know after shopping he does he begins kind of his run of kind of the guy we know yeah his very next film is mortal Kombat. um 97 same year as alien resurrection he makes event horizon which is arguably his best film yeah that's a fun time yeah it's a good film yeah. uh 98 he makes soldier with kurt russell 2002 he makes the first out of boy this is like his transformers uh like four resident evil movies wow i mean some people like those movies a lot like which is weird i've never actually seen any of them so um, i've never either i've never uh but like and i think there is like there is like a a little stinker contrary inside of film Twitter that really bats for this guy. I think there there is. Yeah, he he is a vulgar. He fits into that vulgar tour side of things. And one thing you have to like really give him credit for, mm-hmm. he has never once tried to make like the respectable art film, like, like or Oscar-y film. Like he does it doesn't have like a Pearl Harbor, even in his <laughs> like wheelhouse. He has maintained. The video game adaptation as my or or like big budget weird sci-fi movie as his but what he does period yeah. i i think he is a dude that like because in shopping you'll also see like a lot of like like references to star wars weirdly like there's a lot i think this is a guy who literally just saw like star wars and blade runner as that a was kid it. that yeah. was it this is my life yeah and thus he actually is the right person for the job for alien versus predator now is it gonna make it like again the curse Mm. because in 2000 no (laughs) in 1997 when he was making red horizon paul thomas anderson was making boogie nights (laughs) like i mean like it's just and i've made my taste clear we started the Half of the episode talking about this. Like, <laughs> I'm buying the ticket to Paul Thomas Anderson movie 11 yeah. times out of 10 before Paul W. Sanderson movie. Yeah. That doesn't just... mean there's no bearing on quality or if something is good or bad. It's all just have... taste. Yeah, you have refined yeah. taste. I wouldn't even say that. It's different. No, I would different. just call it different. Like, yeah. And there are people everywhere who really like, I, I've never. <sighs> I have played five minutes of the first Resident Evil game, and that was the last I ever saw. I never played that it. Series. I had a friend who stole it from Fred Meyer. The Ooh. I straight up stole it. That was how I would play it. I was like, when we were in middle school, I was like, this is very shady. But hey, you're what? You're a kid. You're kidding. You're figuring things out. I just out. couldn't believe he stole something that was 50 bucks. It was crazy. It seemed so expensive. <laughs> like I was like, oh, this is something they will call the cops on if you steal. You steal a candy bar, you get a talking to. You steal a like a brand new PlayStation game. You're getting Ooh. you might get arrested. <laughs> yeah. At the very least, you're banned from that store. Oh yeah, you're done. 
you're yeah. absolutely done. And he figured yep. out how to do it. And I was like, man, and I, I put the lookout for him. I, uh, not proud of it, but it, it happened. No. I'm, it I'm happens. admitting to things. I hope the cops don't knock on my door. So, um, <laughs> no, no. but that's all I ever, in. that's all I ever saw was that night. Mm. We like stayed the night at his house and played it. But I've never, you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm also, I'm not a video game. You're not a gamesman. I don't own a yeah. system. Like I don't, it's just never been something that's like appealed to me, which probably has a lot to do with why I haven't yeah. seen. I haven't seen a lot of Paul W. I've seen Mortal Kombat. I've seen Event Horizon. I've seen Soldier, and now Alien versus Predator. I've never seen any of his other movies. Like, <laughs> I have a feeling you're not I, missing. Like, I probably never will. Yeah. Again, like it's just not like life is short. Not yeah. for me, but they are for someone. God bless them. So Alien versus Predator, though, like even in 2004, I'm like 22. I don't care. I think it's yeah. a cash in in 2004. Mm-hmm. You know, it is what it is. But so basically, the basic storyline of Alien versus Predator is that um, they discover a like Aztec temple mm-hmm. or something similar to that, but it's in the Arctic. Yeah. It's discovered by one up uh, through the radar by one Charles Bishop Wayland. Now, you might find that to be exciting because he's also played by Lance Henriksen, who played Ooh. Bishop. Good, good casting. But to my disappointment, it's only the flimsiest of connection to either Bishop or Wayland, as we have gotten to know them from the Alien series. It is basically in name only. Yeah. To, to which I reply, like Dr. Steve Brule, the gif I sent to Patrick. <laughs> Who cares? Like, like, huh? Huh? <laughs> what? And I'm not, like... It's weird, because I, like, make fun of, like, who oh, are going to connect? It's got the mythology. But... I wanted it here because I like the mythology in this series. Like, like, <laughs> it well, it would have been nice to like have like a little like. Um, I, like I think the here's a like, story. If you're gonna tropes, of yeah. This series. Well, well, if you, well, here's the thing: if you're gonna do the connections, make them count. Make it be interesting. Don't just like you know tape Wayland and get the original actor without like uh, you know like why wasn't there like some synthetic stuff happening? Why wasn't I he know. like? Would have loved to see a schematic. All of the fun stuff. So Paul W. Sanderson, and then also um, Shane Salerno was a writer on this movie. And Shane Salerno is one of the most fascinating guys. In that name's audio. familiar. So he is a screenwriter, producer, director, and chief creative officer of something called The Story Factory. He started huh. off as this like precocious young kid. He actually has a screenwriting credit on Armageddon. Wow. But, and his biggest influence is his two biggest influences J.D. Salinger and the TV series Miami Vice. Ooh. Both of which <laughs> led to him producing a documentary, the quote unquote, the definitive documentary on J.D. Salinger, and now currently working as Michael Mann's literary agent versus the with his company the story factory and getting the book heat Two published wow check out this guy's i'm not going to go entirely into his backstory but 
wildly fascinating. He's also works. He is also Don Winslow's literary agent. And there's like best buds with Don Winslow and co-wrote and produced the Oliver Stone Savages adaptation of Don Winslow's book. Wow. That is like, he is a guy who wears many hats. Also should be noted. He is in the writer's room for the Avatar sequels. He's going to get a screenwriting credit on one of the Avatar sequels. Wow. Man. Fascinating. Like a true old school jack-of-all-trades Hollywood yeah. guy who we love yeah. old-school yeah. Hollywood guys like David Geiler and Walter Hill, well, too. Oh, for sure. I love, yeah, I love a guy who kind of can, like, you know, have hold multiple professions and, you know, write he, across many a, a, yeah. a genre. And he's, like, just this jack-of-all-trades like, renaissance man who just does, yeah, like I said, he works in, like, the novels, too. He's Oh, man. He's utterly fascinating, and like his biggest success in novels is he works super close with Don Winslow and of Heat too, mm. uh, which rules. I did read Heat. Oh too. yeah. Um, so they basically they discover this p- underground pyramid in the Arctic. They hire a team of the best of the best in things. That's <laughs> what I would call it. <laughs> <laughs> the best, the best guys. No, the best people. The best people. Um, and they go to the Arctic to figure it out. Wayland is dying, but it doesn't seem to correlate with what he thinks he's going to. It's very simple that he could have found that he could have been evil and thought he was going to find a fountain of youth or the Holy Grail or something like that. Yeah. No, it's, it barely correlates that he has an illness and that they're going to this place that he has to go <laughs> and he has to go himself. Barely. There's no like. Very, very simple screenwriting fix just to say he thinks he's going to discover something that's going to save his life or yeah, give no, him no mortality or make him an evil rich guy at all. I just love that he happens to be dying. Well, yeah, it's he like you said it best. He happens to be dying. Like, <laughs> it's like, don't mind me. I'm just slowly dying. No, I still want to do this. So, so who's on the team? Hmm. Uh, the lead of this movie is Sana Latham. Latham, Latham, mm-hmm. who plays Alexa Lex Woods, an experienced guide. We meet her Ethan Hunt style, <laughs> <laughs> climbing an ice ice over waterfall, ice axes. Yeah, she's she at the place. It. She's she studying. A, she takes Nathan. a call. She takes a call though. Oh yeah, she takes cool. a call. Yeah, she's at the place where King Arthur uh, got sent all those. Uh, uh, Saxons to their watery grave. It, 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 and <laughs> she, and I could see why she, like, why she would want to take this role. She is flawless. Yeah, there is no. She she lost her father on an adventure, but yeah. And Wayland brings up. He's like, yeah, he died at the top of a mountain. Like you guys climbed a mountain together. Well, how better? What a better? That's a pretty good way to go out. <laughs> like, yeah, like they climbed Everest or something. Mount Rainier in Washington State, actually. But um, she's utterly, she's gorgeous. She's completely, she makes all the right decisions. She doesn't question anything about herself. She's the most confident person I think I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Like, like to the point of it being weird and alien in its own right. Like, yeah, she is infallible. She is yeah. like she, much like yeah, much like much a like uh, the fucking pope. 
She's a Balmo. <laughs> but if the Pope was also like a super robot in Batman. I know, who, who, who becomes friendly with fucking predators. Yes! So who else is on the team? It doesn't matter because she's going to be the one who lives. Yeah. Right? And, then, like, and, it doesn't, and it's telegraphed from the start. Mm-hmm. It's If anyone else makes it, they are just lucky. It's not because of any other real reason other than that. Mm-hmm. Um, also on the team is Professor Sebastian De Rosa, Italian yes. archaeologist and uh, bottle and bottle cap collector. <laughs> Loves a bottle cap, this guy. Uh, played by Raul Bova, who I'm not familiar with. Yeah, apparently he's in uh, Under the Tuscan Sun and The Tourist as well. I think- I think he he's is. one of those um, occasional European actors that try to bring to America, and he yeah. just doesn't quite doesn't Has quite it, work. Yeah, it looks like he's back pretty hard, pretty mainly in um in Italy. Fine, you know, yeah. good for him. Yeah. Seems to be doing quite well in Italy. Um, also on the team, Owen Bremer, who oh. we may or may remember from Jeez, like Pearl Harbor, Black Hawk Down, Exodus, Gods uh, and Kings. Exodus Gods and Kings, um, you know, classic he's around. guy. He's he's around. He does yeah. stuff. He's a classic guy. I um not in Pirates of the Caribbean, but I thought he was. It turns out it's the guy from the British Office, so I confuse him with. <laughs> I mean, honestly, not a difficult. Uh, that that's totally understandable. Totally understandable. Uh, he plays Doctor Graham Miller, uh, Scottish chemical engineer. Um. We don't know why they need a chemical engineer, but we do know why we need a guy to show off photos that he has kids back home. They can fucking die. They fucking die. <laughs> like, <laughs> they get eaten by a damn predator. Uh, Colin, Sal- Colin Salmon plays uh, Maxwell Stafford, uh, assistant to Mr. Whalen and former British Special Forces officer. Tommy Flanagan. Mark Verheiden. Uh, armed escort team. Tommy Flanagan, of course. Gladiator. Yep, I love actor. Actor, I love. He attempts an American accent in this movie. It's a little rough. So what we're getting at, though, none of this matters. They get to the Arctic, and there are predators. The predators have come down because apparently they. So here's the deal: Mm. in ancient times, for as a test of their manhood or something. Yeah, this is like Predator Bar Mitzvah, basically. They unleash aliens just to see if they can do it. Yeah. If they can hunt them. If they can. They can't. If, you, you if know. you're a good hunter, you can beat an alien, right? Yeah. Sure. Live and let live. Yeah. That's the origin of aliens. Whatever. Who cares? They all took place at this Arctic, this temple, years and years ago. The that predators has every... Come, predators have found out it's back. They're coming back mm-hmm. down to take care of business. Also, yeah. this uh, this uh, Arctic uh, cave has like every culture is involved yeah. in making this. Yeah, Luck- luckily, um, Doctor Professor Doctor Professor Sebastian <laughs> Doctor Professor. That's this movie in a nutshell. He is a Doctor <laughs> Professor. Ah, he knows he knows every language and he knows all the hieroglyphics. He's cool. He can figure yeah. it out. He's like our guy for that. He knows it all. And, and again, so the predators show up. They take out everybody oh. easily on land. Up above, all mm-hmm. of our main, most of our general main characters have yeah. gone down into the temple. Doesn't matter. It's all in the dark. I can't tell what the hell's going on. And if you think yeah. this is bad, wait till the next movie. Because if you can't tell what the hell's going on in this movie, you really can't tell what the hell is going on in the next movie. 
Oh, yeah. Well, in this one, too, it's like they're also in some, like, puzzle. Like, it's like the cube or something where, like, the 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 the, the, the pyramid they're in in the yeah, Arctic uh, is constantly around, shifting. Constantly shifting, which on paper, I guess, if you're drinking with friends, coming up with ideas, oh, that'd be cool. It's not. It's, it's not fun. It doesn't. It's just confusing. I have no idea what the arc. The layout is harder to figure out than the Overlook Hotel and The Shining. Yeah, I just no <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, the geography. Who knows? I yeah, don't know I'm where they are. Would but... would be funny if uh, one of the, <laughs> the the pyramid shifted and like Ewan Bremer's character ended up in a hotel room where a guy in a bear costume was. I know it could have. <laughs> It could have. And then Paul W. Sanderson would have explained that, like, I love The Shining. It's another crossover. It's not. No. It's, um, the aliens get unleashed. They start killing everybody downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, all the characters you cared about, Lance Henriksen, Owen Bremner, Tommy oh. Flanagan. Oh, toast. Toast. It doesn't toast. matter. It doesn't matter. You don't, like, if Lance... So he has asthma, and then he just gets killed. There's nothing yeah. more to it than that. Just, yeah, I just, I have no, like, he doesn't even have, like, family. Like, none of these people have, like, family, except the one character, but, like, that's just But then just that their... doesn't matter. Yeah, he dies nothing... anyway, and you think he's kind of... They go through all the alien tropes. We got the eggs. We got people, fro- we got people trapped in the webs. All mm-hmm. that stuff is there, but it doesn't. Yeah. Just comes down to Dr. Professor and Lex. Dr. Professor, though, gets dispatched rather easily. Oh, yeah. He's but it comes toast. down to Lex and the aliens and the predators. Somehow Lex, because she's so badass, it's like a mutual respect between her and the, the predators. Yeah, the predators, like, you know what? This, 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 this person, I'm going to... I'm going to indoctrinate. I'm going to make her a predator. I'm going to, like, she's join. Like she's like, honorary predator. Yeah. Honorary predator. They start doing battle with the aliens. There's this inane scene where the alien or the predator and Lex are like jogging together side by side. <laughs> like they're like Apollo Creed and Rocky and Rocky three. It's like they're like Martin Lawrence and Will Smith and Bad Boys I know, 2. I know. <laughs> it's unreal. It makes Seriously. Bad Boys 2 seem grounded and gritty like Prince of the City or something like that. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> and, you're, uh, and I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, this is so badass. It's something I've always wanted to see. Turns out it's something I've never wanted to see. Yeah, it's just, it's just have... not for me. And I like, she ends up winning. The, the predator mm-hmm. sacrifices herself. And here's my biggest issue I need a human connection. We've kind of talked about this before with monster movies and with animated movies. I, for some reason, my brain just can't. And I don't know why the Avatar movies worked for me. It's weird because mm-hmm. they shouldn't have. Because historically, I'm not like. Yeah, you're not interested in these blue emo- people. I have difficult emo- making emotional connections with non-human, like mods, like characters. Yeah, like puppets and makeup puppets, and stuff, drawings, you name it. Yeah. Um, and again, taste. I'm not saying yeah. it's bad. You, you you watch Frankenstein, and you're like. What's Igor's story? Yeah. Yeah, like Victor Frankenstein and the doctor. Yeah. I'm a little more interested in. Hmm. But that grounds it to me because you have human characters interacting and kind of dealing with what they've created. That's fine. Um, 
when it comes down to just an alien and a predator fighting each other, I could care less. Yeah, I just can't. Oh, I cannot emotionally engage with that at all. The cool factor is gone in five seconds. I mean, okay, I quote, saw it. Whatever. Yeah, to quote the tagline of the movie: "Whoever wins, like we lose." Yeah, I know, and that's they're talking about the audience. They're not talking about humanity. <laughs> but um, Lex wins because she's infallible. Yeah, and we go up to the alien, the predators. Like respecter, thumbs up. Yeah. They give like the predator high five, like from Predator One Predator. with Weathers and um, Schwarzenegger. Except mm-hmm. Flex and a Predator, they don't, but they should have. This movie's yeah. so stupid. They could have done it. Honestly, oh, go full stupid. Uh, like so stupid. yeah, which is like one thing I respect about the second one that we're gonna talk about here. <laughs> is the second one decides let's just go full stupid. Yeah. Um. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's saving Pete. They, folks. Go to, they go to they go to space and yeah. Oh yeah. The, what the predator that they bring the body of the like main warrior predator doesn't make it. They bring up for ceremonial purposes and guess what pops out of their chest? A damn predator, predalien. No combo. Oh shit! <laughs> Cut to credits. Uh, that means guess what we're getting? We're getting a part two because they're not gonna leave us that kind of hang cliffhanger. Get a damn um, squeakle. Yeah, it's a damn squeakle on the horizon. So, <laughs> Alvin, watch out! Um, one thing, very, very interesting to note. Let's talk about some of the actors that aren't in this movie, real quick. A couple of them that are very, very fun. Oh, this, yeah, this movie is definitely shot in the Czech Republic. Um, of course. Arnold Schwarzenegger was willing to reprise his role as Major Dutch in a short cameo appearance. Oh. If he lost his election for governor. (laughs) (laughs) However, he won, so he was unable to participate. Arnold, what a life. Nobody has led a cooler life than Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) He's got options. He's got options. Uh, Meanwhile, um, they asked Sigourney Weaver about it, and she said she was happy not to be in the film, as a possible crossover was the reason I wanted my character to die in the first place. <laughs> I thought the concept <laughs> sounded awful. Again, hats off. Tip of the cap to Sigourney Weaver. Yep. Um, Alien vs. Predator was released August 13th of 2004. We should note it's on Stars. And- mm Available to rent and all those kind of things. Alien versus Predator cost set, uh, six somewhere between 60 and 70 million to produce. At the box office, made 177.4 million, which is fairly comparable to mm-hmm. Alien Resurrection. Oh. Oddly enough, though, feels so much more low rent. Yeah, it's. I feel like I feel it the most when like the Predator turns the aliens like armor into like or like exoskeleton into like a weird sword and shield yeah that was very like this is like a comic-con costume it has a 22 percent on rotten tomatoes rough gore without scares cardboard cutout characters make this clash of the monsters a dull set mm-hmm. it's dull it's boring yeah. that's the issue with it without question there's no problem but, in yeah there's no like you know Tommy Flanagan is great, but like we need like you need but some. You don't get that. I just don't. 
I'd love to know what Paul W. S. Anderson like cares about. Hmm. I like. I think it is the monsters. Yeah, I think he's like a. I think he's like a monster guy, and he's like a set piece guy. And (sighs) yeah. Yeah, and it's not, and it's well, and I'm. It's funny because saying that, it's not like the set pieces in this are like. There's some cool moments for sure, but like it's but there's not nothing like... as good as like the water scene in Alien Resurrection. No, not at all. And it's interesting at the same budget. It's it's just it's interesting what we're learning about these directors, like mm-hmm. what a little more just kind of like broader vision. Mm-hmm. Of what you'd like to see can do for you. Yeah, but um, it was successful enough. So what is that? Uh, we're Cut. back. <laughs> Cut to three, <laughs> Neri. Three years later, the final film of today's epic episode, 2007's Aliens versus Pre- Aliens (plural) versus Predator. Requiem, stylized as AVPR, Aliens vs. Predator, Dash. <laughs> there you go, the Dash. Uh, directed by the brother Strauss, written by Shane Salerno. Mm. Uh, based on characters created by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett, and Predator characters created by Jim Thomas and John Thomas. Produced by John Davis, David Geiler, and Walter Hill. Cinematography by Daniel S. Pearl, and I should mention Daniel S. Daniel C. Pearl, pardon me, of course, is the cinematographer behind the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, One of the best and craziest and most memorably shot films ever made, mind you. Oh, man, poor Uh, Dan. I mean, I guess he's getting getting paid. He's getting paid. 30 years later, brother's got to work. Edited by Dan Zimmerman. Music by Brian Tyler. We'll get to it right now. This was released... On December twenty fifth, two thousand seven, just in time to disappoint your entire family on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, Got tickets to Alien VP Requiem. The brothers Strauss also absolutely fascinating. They wanted in. They saw basically they saw Terminator two as kids, and were like, "We want. We want in. Yeah, we want in." On this, whatever this is. They are the founders of the Hydraulics Special Effects Company. And they've done effects for a ton of different things. Naturally, they've done a ton of music videos. Um, And this was their directorial debut. This screams special effects guys who like cool stuff. Yeah. perhaps are not as certain about other aspects of I is really interesting. <laughs> but James Cameron's influence has almost uniformly been on cool stuff rather than how great of a storyteller he is. Yeah. And almost everyone who claims to be interested, influenced by James Cameron misses on the fact that what makes his movies a cut of buff is his emotional storytelling. Well, it's because everyone watches them when they're kids. Yeah, you're, I think they're you're like. Right. Yeah, I think they're yeah. like really young. They watch it. They're like, I love these guys. I want to make. I want to make a Terminator. I want to make an alien, and they it, don't realize what the other how stuff. How great he is at emotional storytelling. Yeah, and how hard he works at it. How much he understands 
the difference between $150 million and $1.5 billion is an emotional connection. Yeah. That's it. Care. Yeah. That's something, all. That's the only difference. Yeah. Something to be invested in. Something like a, you, you need an emotional anchor. You need a, you need a buoy to latch onto in that sea of special effects and, and uh, fake blood. I know. I know. <laughs> it, it, cool stuff can only get you so far. <laughs> like, and, okay. So what is the story of Aliens versus Predator Requiem? What, Mm. Funer- what funeral mass? Maybe it's our funeral mass. The audience's funeral mass we're singing with this. Yeah. Like- <laughs> so the uh, pretty alien that we met in the last picture has escaped and made its way to a nameless small town in Colorado uh-huh. where just kind of general small town Americana things are happening. Yeah. Very like, yeah, like, uh, I've never seen an episode of Dawson's Creek, but I feel like it has a little bit of guilt. It feels like a small, just like a small town USA. It feels like, you it, know. That's all it is. And it doesn't, it's so odd. All of this, to all of this. Are the Strauss brothers from Colorado? Maybe. I they're will from, say, though. They're from Illinois. I, I will say, I like the, uh, it's nice seeing an alien in such a lush it environment. Is. That's more kind of predator, a fun. More of a predator environment if you will mm-hmm. sure. um a, so they get said a skilled vet a skilled veteran predator cleaner is dispatched to kill the pred alien with the help of the townspeople who are simply trying to survive the ensuing carnage that whole sequence was so insane where they just like nonchalantly go to predator worlds and like i guess this predator gets hired to fix up this pre- the this predator mess, mess and yeah, yeah. I, I um, more like what's going on in predator world like what's oh, like a what's a subway sandwich place like in predator world I the town know. is the town is called gunnison colorado by the Good, way. a real place i think a real yeah it is um <laughs> one thing i do like though mm-hmm. well beyond the fact that this movie's 94 minutes long which i really do like <laughs> uh, um, it, it the, cut uh, a couple four minutes it could have cut could have probably done it a little bit more because <laughs> um, there's a lot of weird subplots in this movie. We'll get into them in just a moment here. Uh, this movie opens with this father and son hunting in the woods. Very classic small town kind of middle-aged mm-hmm. dad and his young son. Going to kill a deer. I was worried about the deer. Mm-hmm. So they come across a damn alien. And the dad gets it. And he gets it. Oh, it's gross. Like He, oh, gets, yeah. he gets it big time. Guess what though? Face hugger grabs the nine year old, takes him out, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. There's a mean spirit to this movie that I'm into. It's gory, and then later on, the kid actually gets the chest burster too, which I was into as well, because it reminded me of almost like not as good, but John Carpenter's assault on Precinct 13, where the ice cream man shoots the little girl waiting for ice cream. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, his intentions are so clear on how nasty this movie is going to be. Yeah. But then we meet the rest of the town. Mm-hmm. Three subplots that are going to come together. What a cast of care. It's like an what Altman a... film. It's an old. <laughs> I mean, you know, you move, think it's move over Nashville. Move over Nashville. Move over shortcuts. We got AVP Requiem. <laughs> yeah. So getting off, the, getting off the bus is Stephen Pasquale, who plays... um. Only in movies can anyone be named Dallas Howard. But <laughs> this guy's yes, it might. And this movie is very TV actor 
like top to bottom TV guy, top to bottom. Oh yeah, Stephen Pasquale, who you might remember, I knew him from Rescue Me, but mm. he's been on tons of different shows. Apparently, he's a big time Broadway actor. Mm. He's just released from prison. He's kind of the yeah leather jacket tough guy wants but you know he he's got a heart of gold we don't even know what the fuck he did to go to prison i think he just general crime yeah super crime yeah crime that you're comfortable enough with that you will like this guy can become the hero yeah it's like oh he probably stole uh bread to feed to an orphan he's met at a bus stop by his old friend but now sheriff (laughs) of gunnison uh eddie morales played by john ortiz who is Easily the best actor in yeah. this movie. Easily the only one you would call slumming it to be in this movie. I, I think uh, this movie was released in the same year as American Gangster. Yeah. And <laughs> what a dichotomy. He's, he's really, really good. Yeah. As, he's a really, really good actor. This movie does not necessarily like, give him huge opportunities it's to tough well you know when you when you have the city of gunnison in the background and that's practically a character in itself you know he's one of the very best actors supporting actors going oh for sure give him credit for that he's good he's like whoa dallas yeah i gotta cause any trouble i'm the sheriff now and dallas is like man i just want to like get on with my life we're best friends, though, still, right? Oh, of course, we're still best friends. It's very much like a te- like screenplay template dialogue. Like, yes, just the generic wow. bones. Dallas's brother, Ricky Howard, played by Johnny Lewis. And I don't know if you read Johnny Lewis's story. Oh, tragic. Yeah, we don't it's, need to get into it. Here, we don't. We won't get into it. But like, uh, let me bummed out. Look that up. I guess yeah, I don't know. It's not great. Um, yeah. He is a student and younger brother of Dallas. He's also a pizza delivery man. Um, His boss is rickety cricket. His boss is rickety cricket. <laughs> he's so annoying. I feel bad for that actor because I feel like he's either playing rickety cricket or like the most annoying person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he goes to go deliver pizza to um, the house of Dale collins and his friends who are um his friends might be bully one and bully two i don't remember their yeah. names C- crab and goyle bully one uh, bully two Dale's uh... played by an actor named david Petakow. i think that's how you pronounce his name yeah he's um, like probably the most irredeemable person in the movie he, he stinks yeah not not the performance but he's like as a character he stinks oh he's just like evil he just he's just like this classic i feel like um we he haven't seems, yet. He seems to want to order pizza strictly so they can beat the shit out of Ricky. Yeah. Um, Ricky. Um, when he gets there, he he's kind of a funny guy, and he tells a homophobic joke. Oh yeah, that kind <laughs> and, of... which gets in the heads of our bullies, which makes makes them want to beat the shit out of him even more. Meanwhile, Dale is dating... that's supposed to endear us to Ricky too. I think. Da- yeah, Dale is dating. God. Um. Let's just call her the girl. Yeah, lady. Jesse. Jesse, played by Kristen Hager, who um, dates Dale, but is like really hot for Ricky. Yeah. Almost immediately, like in the kitchen with the pizza, which Dale's pissed off about. They go outside, they beat the shit out of Ricky, they throw his keys, <laughs> keys in the damn gutter. Yeah. He... So, 
That's a. I love that. That's a great level of evil. Throwing the keys in the gutter. That's a good. Yeah. So that's going on. Meanwhile, and if you think this is related, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, coming home from the war. <laughs> Wait, is, is, is Kelly O'Brien played by Ryko Islesworth, who is on uh, Twenty Four? That's I totally I forgot. I totally yeah. forgot about this character. That's right. <laughs> How could you forget this? We get one of these coming home from war. Her husband is played by Sam Trammell, who is on True Blood. Ooh. And she's got, of course, a cute little daughter, Molly. She's mm. home from war. Oh, golly. I have seen the worst of it. Have you, though? Have you seen the worst of war, Kelly? Because guess what's coming? Ooh. Fucking aliens. <laughs> the war at home. <laughs> Call Michael Rappaport. Yeah. So all this is so this is basically we got a few other characters. Oh, Wait, we got way more characters. Yeah, like... C- C- Carrie, the pregnant waitress, played by Gina Holden. We have Deputy Ray Adams, who's married to Carrie, the waitress. Um, we have Darcy, the mother and wife of the guy who got lost in the woods at the beginning. This is Altman-esque. You're yeah, Altman-esque. Right. It's, it's, a, like, uh, it's, American, it's, it's an American pastiche. If you will, <laughs> it's 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 like it's just like the um, cinematic American equivalent to Tolstoy's offloaded War and Peace. Just, Off, I mean, it makes you think. It makes just, you think. It makes you think about the American situ- post nine eleven American situation. Mm, it really does. Think about. Mm, mm. <laughs> so um, now that we've met everybody, mm-hmm. aliens begin dispatching them with ease and frankly without really much it's great the alien attacks sergeant kelly's house and kills her husband Mm -hmm. much much to the lack of emotional reaction (laughs) yeah i guess she gets over it she's fine she gets over it yeah she starts flirting almost immediately the second she meets dallas they're like actually we are a much better couple we are yeah. handsome. We're the most handsome possible pairing in this film. And we are the most badass and capable. We should probably make out, right? Yeah. Um, how to explain? Yeah. there's. They go through it. They're all over the place. They're all over town. Mm-hmm. People are killed. So half of the... Survi- so then we get in this fight. The military calls and says... Meet at this point in town. We have a rescue coming your way. Meanwhile, half Dallas and Kelly are like, we should go to the hospital and get a chopper and just get the fuck out of here ourselves. I don't trust the military. Rightfully so, because much like in the film Return of the Living Dead, the military is just going to bomb the town. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they're done. They're done, which is very funny. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> John, Ortiz, John Ortiz is like, no, we're going to the center of town. Uh, Stephen Pasquale and Ryko Halesworth go to the hospital. When they get to the hospital, maybe the stupidest thing in movie history happens. The girl, Jessie, just cracks up. Almost out of nowhere. (laughs) She gets tagged by the... Editor's Ninja Star just like gets smashed to the wall. She's dead. (laughs) She's she's done. Rip. And Ricky's sad because Ricky had fallen in love with her. Yeah. 
they fight their way through. The predator is kind of friendly to them. In yeah, service I... of fighting the pred alien. There's pred alien predator fights that I don't care about because I mentioned before I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's also like the predator, like it's so unclear. I guess his job is to make sure the aliens don't do alien stuff here, or to like get, but like, and then at times the predator oh. will like. We should also note anything any remote connection to the alien series is gone. Oh yeah, except I think doesn't like um. Utani show up at the end of this one, or was that the end of the first one? Yeah, no, that's the end of this one. They have yeah. a Utani cameo where it's like, oh, we now know why. Remember Wayland this? Didn't... Remember this? It's connected. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Strike this from the record of the official canon. No, <laughs> this is get it out of here. Get it out of here. It's dumb. It's dumb. It... Ding dong <laughs> film. Ding dong cinema. Ding dong cinema. Um, they get in the chopper just as the military does indeed bomb the town. John Ortiz and everybody who went with him, they're dead. Oh, yeah. They get smoked. Uh, the helicopter crashes, but Dallas, Kelly, Ricky, and Molly, the child, all survive. Yeah. Um, good for them. Yeah. The Predator, does he survive? I don't even know. I don't remember. I didn't watch this that long ago. Um, but. This movie is so stupid and silly. It's so much more fun than the semi-self-serious Alien versus Predator. Yeah, so I actually like it more. <laughs> it's right. It's there's a lot of like goofy moments. There's it's really fun. There's something really satisfying about seeing an alien kill a bunch of low rent bullies. It is. <laughs> it, it is. Or, or like you and, know these in, weird townsfolk mean-spirited violent way yeah and it's almost if it like was just like 20 percent funnier and like a little sillier it could have been in like an eight-legged freaks you know it could have or a tremor it's just one of those classic like you know like oh these silly townsfolk yeah you know oh well one could dream one can dream but uh you know oh well (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh well um they live um it's you know <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it ends yeah the movie ends uh so what happened what happened here this movie comes out christmas day it somehow makes 40 million on a budget of 40 million it makes 130 million at the box office it still does okay yeah, that is, I guess, the alien, uh, that just that alien uh, IP doing the work. It Alien, people are still going in there. It has a 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. Websites consensus states, the increased score and violence are the first AVP, can't excuse requiems, disoriented editing, ex- excessively murky lighting, and lack of new ideas. In general... Most people believe that this movie stunk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, during the production, the brothers Strauss expressed plans for a third one. However, mm. it was on put on hold indefinitely. The Predator franchise continued with Nimrod and Tell's Predators and Shane Black's The Predator, which actually did have, I guess, references to AVP. And Dan Trachtenberg's recently really well-received Prey. While the Alien series 
rebooted into Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Ridley Scott took the reins back, at least for a spell. <sighs> Did we have to do this, Patrick? <laughs> no. No. No, we didn't, yeah. but we did. We did. But that's why it's uh, fun though, cuz like is, people it, people like suffering. I am glad we have finished that we have finished the job. Yes. That we have watched this entire chronicle. Mhm. We we've heard we heard the the ballad of Dallas Howard. We heard the ballad of Dallas Howard. <laughs> we have lived. We have lived to tell the tale for Halloween, for you all, for for everything. It's all. It's all happening for us. <laughs> Everything's coming up Halloween. Everything is coming up Halloween now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know anymore. This, 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 this is a crazy morning. We were, trying to get tickets. we were trying to get tickets to see David Fincher talk about the killer. We got denied. We're still hurting from that. That's a little peek behind the curtain. Our brains are ruined. Brains got ruined by this series. Um, mm-hmm. Our recommendation. Take a look at Alien Resurrection. Yeah, it's, it's, a good, a fun it's, it's a fun time. It's. I think I prefer all the others more. Yeah, I totally. Like, but I It's like... like Three out of five popcorns. If you feel like it, if you're a glutton for whatever it is you might feel like, if you're if you're a uh, uh, if you're like a jigsaw type figure that wants to find new mental ways to torture people, then um, you know, watch the Alien versus Predator films. They are fine. <laughs> they are okay. what they. They are what they are. I, I kind of like, you know what? I will say I do have like a, um, for all of their flaws, they're both not great movies, but it feels like the brothers Strauss and even Paul W.S. Anderson, like they love making film. I think they both are like passionate people in their own regards. And so, especially with like the Strauss brothers, there is something nice about like, uh, you know, they worked hard and they finally got this opportunity. Did uh, Was it a fun time for us? Not not necessarily, but I don't know. I guess I'm happy for them. And I think they like again, what this comes down to is taste. Yeah. What you like. And the brother stress, Paul W.S. Anderson, they seem to really like this. Yeah. This is what they're into. Mm-hmm. And God bless them. And apparently each of them had $130 million or more worth of people yeah. who, wanted, who wanted them. Exactly. Um, these both of these are on stars right now too and it can be rented and all that kind of thing um i watched them both on stars i restarted my stars membership because uh uh, brooklyn's finest is on stars too so it was paid for itself (laughs) for a month (laughs) did you want to did you want to catch you sure you don't want to catch up on kelsey Grammer's boss uh oh kelsey 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 um (laughs) yeah these are all streaming they're all out there happy halloween you know enjoy them as mm-hmm. they will. This was a good experiment. Next year, we're definitely going to be watching a specific actor again. Yeah. <laughs> um, gonna... Yeah. So next week on the program. Wow, that was an odyssey, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. In <laughs> uh, a regular Aeneid. Next week on the program, Antoine Fuqua is back with 2007's Ooh. Shooter, <laughs> which is available on Amazon Prime, disc, and to rent. And guess what? I 
watched Shooter already, and I already. Oh wow! Strong opinions. Ooh. I've already I had seen Shooter before, but I watched. It is, the there, end. is there a cameo from a certain talking bear? We all know and love? <laughs> no, no Ted. No, sorry, no Ted. Damn sorry. it! There is um, gratuitous Ned Beatty. Oh, I'm into. Gratu- oh, um, you know who's in it? You know who's in it? has a cameo who's awesome. We'll talk about it more. Levon Helm from the band. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's actually That's really, really cool. It's, it's actually well cast. It's cool. I actually like Shooter. We'll, nice. we'll, get into it. we'll talk about it. There's a spoiler. I like Shooter. Um, the week after that, Patrick, it ain't Brooklyn's weakest. It's the return of Brooklyn's <laughs> finest. Yeah. 2009. Oh, we've covered it before, <laughs> but we're going to cover it again from a directorial point of view. Uh, uh, it's on Stars. It's on Disc and can be rented through all the services. Two weeks of Antoine Fuqua in a row. Who? If. Mm. Wow. We gave you the email earlier. We gave you the Twitter earlier. I am exhilarated by the episode. Sad about not getting tickets to see The Killer with David Fincher. Ready to watch the Raihisuke Hamaguchi movie later today at the AFI yes. with you. Uh, wow. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Ooh. Ups, highs, lows. High Aliens, lows. predators. Aliens, predators. <laughs> the whole gamut. Both Brothers Strauss. It's got everything. It's got everything. What does WS stand for, do you think? Uh... Maybe that's a mystery we'll never know. Weed sex. <laughs> weed sex. Paul <laughs> Weed Sex Anderson. Okay, on that note, for Patrick, I'm Don. We will see you next week on the Academy Academy. Happy Halloween. Uh, Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got I got to shut this thing down. Uh, Alien versus Predator versus Dracula. <laughs> versus Abbott and Costello. James James Cameron hears about that. He's like, he tells his wife, "I'm gonna go walk the acres of my New Zealand farm now. I can't. I I gotta go. I'm turning off. I am turning off the the video." Everybody's invited. Every bloody was frightened. And the zombies all dance to be Babalula. What a Halloween shindig this is! Yeah.